You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, I'm going to preview this weekend's game between the Birds and the New Orleans Saints with Maddie Hudak, who is an editor for Canal Street Chronicles, the Saints SB Nation site. We're going to talk to Maddie about the key matchups and get her thoughts on how the Saints are going to prepare for Jalen Hurts, the rookie quarterback making his first ever start replacing Carson Wentz. Is this the beginning of the Jalen Hurts era, the end of the Carson Wentz era, something in between, or is there is there a third era that we're going to have to look forward to. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on this whole Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz thing too, coming up here in just a few minutes as well. But first... I want to ask that you tell your friends about the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed and also want to give you a heads up. If you haven't listened to it yet, make sure that you are subscribing to the SB Nation NFL show. It is fantastic. There is a new show for you every day of the week, Monday through Friday. It is a collection of fantastic hosts from the SB Nation NFL community, giving you a look around the league at your favorite NFL team. So if you're if you're an Eagles fan, they talk a lot about the birds, but it's also, it's also important to know what's going on around the NFL, so make sure you subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. It is absolutely fantastic. Leave a rating and a review while you're there, and do the same thing for the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed as well. And joining me to help break down this weekend's game between the Eagles and Saints is Maddie Hudak, editor for Canal Street Chronicles. You can follow her on Twitter at MaddieHudak underscore 94, and uh, if you want to keep an eye on the enemy, the, the place to do it is Canal Street Chronicles, the SB Nation Saints site, to keep an eye on everything that's going on down down there in New Orleans. And Maddie, welcome to Eye on the Enemy. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Now, uh, we were talking just before we got started here. So I was, uh, I, I had seen online that you are, that you are in Philadelphia, that, that you live in Philadelphia. And I thought that was interesting uh, for a Saints fan to be in Philadelphia. How did you come about being a Saints fan and living in Eagles territory? Yeah, so it's been a little bit of a journey uh, for me. I, I moved here after college, uh, so that's that's pretty you know much the random aspect that got us here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm originally from the Bay Area, actually. Uh, my mom's from New Orleans, so I you know was kind of born a Saints fan, and okay. then quickly was like an enemy of the people in the Bay Area. So that really. See, my, I have I've had the exact opposite problem with my kids. My kids are I'm from the Philadelphia area originally. Mm-hmm. I live in Northern Virginia. And so they are, at least my oldest and my youngest are big Nationals fans and they're big Washington football team fans, despite my efforts, you know, (laughs) despite the best laid, I mean, I wanted them to, but this is the, this is the place they grew up, you know, this is the place they lived. And plus my father-in-law got in, he got in my oldest son's ear when, when he was very little and when Mm. I was working. So he'd go over there to watch some baseball games during the daytime while I was at work and you know, it certainly, then it became my son just wanted to needle me uh, and root against the teams that I liked. And now he's a diehard. So there's nothing you can do about it, but. 
Oh, it's a good year, I guess, to root for the Washington football yes. team. Yes, yes. It's a good year to be a Wift fan. Not exactly a good Whiffed. year to be. Yes. That's that is so much easier to say. It's so much easier. My life has gotten so much easier since I started going with Wift. Because <laughs> I, I still want to say the R team name. And, and I just, know. And, and I have to stop myself, like, watch the football. Just Wift. It's just much easier because it works on a lot of levels. Could you imagine if, like, they won the Super Bowl? It would be, like, the winners, the oh, football team. Yeah, the football team. It's going to be on the plaque. <laughs> I can't, you know, it's going to be on the whatever. It's on it would the be pretty 2020, honestly. Be good. Football. You know what, though? If Alex Smith wins the Super Bowl... I can I'm think not of worse things, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I say that as someone that uh, has had a lot of heartbreak at the uh, hand of Alex Smith. Yes, I guess so. Higher. That's right. I guess so. I didn't even think about that for sure. Well, <laughs> well, let's talk about this weekend's game between the uh, the Eagles and the Saints. And obviously, we've got a lot going on here in our neck of the woods. Uh, you guys are going to have uh, the first shot at Jalen Hurts. And it's obviously a rough opening setup for Jalen Hurts here because he's going up against a really good New Orleans Saints defense here. How did the Saints prepare for a guy like this who they've never seen before? There's virtually no tape on him. Even in college, he was all over the place at Alabama and then at Oklahoma. He started some, he backed up some. And there's really not a whole lot that the Saints can game plan for here with Jalen Hurts. What kind of a what kind of an obstacle does that prove here this weekend? Um, I, I was saying this the other day. I understand how like the Falcons felt a couple weeks ago when <laughs> Taysom Hill got named as a starter, because like, you know, they they really didn't have any tape there. You know, I guess we have, uh, was, it, was he in the entire second half of last game or was it just the fourth quarter? No, it was in uh, about midway through the third quarter he came in. Carson, I think, got the first the first series after halftime and then they were like, yeah, we can't do this anymore. Okay, yeah. So two things like I noticed about Hertz that I think, um, I keep saying Hertz. It, it's Hertz, right? Hertz, yes. Hertz. Like, like I am hurt. Hertz. The plural of I am hurt, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that he's really good at scramble drills, uh, and kind of touch passes. And mm -hmm. that kind of reminds me of like when Nick Mullins played against us a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, he was kind of able to do that. Um, we sometimes do have issue with that type of quarterback, which mm -hmm. I'm sure was like, you know, kind of factored into this. Um, I, I would see them kind of, you know, looking at his college tape, but then just kind of preparing as if he was like a Kyler Murray and just kind of, you know, expecting the mobile quarterback, knowing that they're probably going to use the run game more. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm not sure like how strong your guys's run game has been or if well, you've really used it that much. That's the thing. You've got to take it out of the drawer in order to use it. And it's still tucked neatly in yeah. the drawer there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I think the issue, I think like where we'll kind of be able to just like lock this down is more so on the receiver end. Mm -hmm. So like something that, you know, when we've had issues with our, you know, it's been injuries to Drew and not a controversy, mm -hmm. but Michael Thomas, I think his value has really been shown now that it's been a second time that he has, you know, worked with a QB two and he immediately becomes that number one, mm -hmm. just having that reassurance and knowing someone can get open on the other side of the ball and that they'll be able to catch it yeah. is really helpful for the quarterback. And so I could see the saints focusing more on the inexperienced uh, receiver mm -hmm. and just kind of not really giving him an area to throw to. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, our pass rush is really good. And so if they're able to kind of, you know, get to him, even if he is kind of mobile, I think their idea is that they just won't really give him anywhere to get rid of the ball with and kind of force him to have to, you know, run yeah. and get hit. And they can probably do that even with single coverage on these guys because Travis Fulgham, for reasons passing understanding, isn't is getting blipped out for Alshon Jeffrey for 20, 20 plays mm -hmm. a game. So I'm, I'm hopefully that the, it sounds like Alshon has come down with a mysterious injury this week. So oh. hopefully, you know, <laughs> it's probably nothing serious, but just enough to keep him on the field for all but five plays this time around, <laughs> hopefully. Um, 
You know, I bet it's, it's with Fulgham and with Jalen Rager, who has really struggled in his rookie season. He's made a couple big splash plays here and there, but really has struggled to even know the plays in some cases. Um, and, and then you, they have Greg Ward, who's just a small guy who doesn't do a whole lot. I mean, it's it's really been rough with the Eagles receiving core, and that's been part of Wentz's problem. I think the other thing that will be interesting to see on Sunday is Wentz has a lot of um, – a lot of uh, he can he can pretty much freelance at the line of scrimmage whenever he wants. So he goes up to the line of scrimmage with two plays, a run play or a pass mm-hmm. play, and he can check in and out of either one of them instead of just calling the offense, which is what Nick Foles did when he was in there. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things Peterson said they want to do this week is call a simpler offense. And by that, I took to mean Hertz runs the plays we called. And so I think that'll be interesting. That's one of the things we're kind of looking for over these next four weeks. If Hertz is the guy, mm-hmm. if he's just calling the plays, is we'll have a better idea. Is it Wentz? Is it yeah. Peterson? Is it the play calling? Right. Yeah. I, um, I've seen a lot of like conspiracies, I guess, about how this is like <laughs> Doug Peterson's ploy to like get out. But I've seen people say like that he wants to get out with Jalen Hurts and that mm. that's fine, but that requires a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I could see in this game, and I don't know if you would agree with this is that uh, if Doug Peterson is kind of trying to get out of Philadelphia, and uh, the idea is that it, if it is Carson and if, you know, when he's calling the plays and his quarterback who fits in his schemes better is just kind of operating under his you know framework and he works better, I could see this as kind of almost an audition for a mobile quarterback coaching job yeah. somewhere like Houston, mm-hmm. where he's because from all that I've seen, the owner backs Wentz and I just don't really know yeah. how you come back from this because yeah. you can't get rid of him no. unless you restructure his contract. But it's hard to kind of make a trade with someone that you've now benched for a rookie and has a monster contract. But I could see Peterson just being like, I need to get out of here. This isn't working. And so if it does work with Hertz, then maybe he gets out, but then I don't know where that leaves the Eagles after that. Yeah. Yeah. Neither do we. Uh, It's, it's kind of a soap opera, you know, what if Hertz is really good. Yeah. Well, if Hertz is really good, I think they, I think Carson Wentz probably would be open to restructuring his contract if yeah. it means getting traded someplace because he knows he can't get traded with the contract right. the way it is. So my guess is he becomes much more open to a trade if unexpected. And I don't think Hertz is going to light the world on fire these last four weeks. I okay. think the most likely scenario is Hertz is okay, has some good points, mm-hmm. has some bad games, has some good moments here and there, and that we go into next summer with a with a quarterback battle in training camp. And my guess would be Carson probably wins it because they have so much invested in Carson Wentz, but who knows? I mean, if, if Hertz really plays badly over these last four weeks, which is certainly a possibility, depending on where the Eagles pick, they might pick a quarterback and make this whole thing even more complicated. So, you know, who knows at this point? Um, and so, but I just, I always like to get that perspective from the outside because we are in our little goldfish bowl here right. co- covering the Eagles. As far as Wentz goes, what, what have you seen in him this year? Like, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't remember this time a, a player for a really bad team has been this much the focus of national media attention. Uh, are, do you, are you asking like what I think is kind yeah. of, yeah what do you think is going on with him yeah I I think uh so I I did a really long like research series on like quarter black replacement trends and so I've I've read a lot of like historical instances of this happening and how it Mm -hmm. really does like cause discord and there's just this mental aspect of it but in all of those cases it was you know Brett Favre who's in his 30s and you know uh, Joe Montana who's getting old you know but this is you know a guy that's younger you just re-signed him and before that, you know, he did really well for the team and then 
kind of got his Super Bowl glory taken away from him. Yeah. And then everyone in the fan base was like, well, we want Nick Foles mm -hmm. after he had kind of, you know, led the, you know, horses to the water at that point. And, you know, I, I think that he just hasn't really found his footing and has gotten injured a couple times, but just like that, I just can't underlook the mental aspect of, of having a quarterback get drafted behind you. And if you're Aaron Rodgers and you've won an MVP and a Super Bowl and that happens, right. Three, you know, six, then you probably end up playing better. But for someone that's still kind of trying to get their footing in the NFL, yeah. I think this is very like mentally damaging. And I don't know if, I just don't really see how Carson Wentz, like if it was me, would be able to work on the Eagles. I don't think that he's a bad quarterback. I think that he's just kind of been looking over his shoulder yeah. all season. And I think that, you know, he's also unfortunately fallen victim to your O-line issues on yeah. scene of like 11 rotations. And then, yeah. you know, the fact that there are a bunch of very unexperienced receivers out there, mm -hmm. he didn't really get any help. And instead he got, you know, his replacement looming over his shoulder. Yeah. So that that's, I just see it as more of a mental aspect. And once you're in your head, and I've said this with Drew Brees a couple of times, and this is what I said, like was his issue at the beginning of the season. It was a trust issue with the receivers to me. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, you know, Drew is washed up. He can't throw downfield anymore. And it was more of that receivers weren't really running their routes and he didn't have that trust with them. And then I just think it's a mental snowball. And so I think yeah. it's kind of the same thing over with Wentz. Yeah, I 100% agree. That's exactly where I am on Wentz, too. He's got spiders in his head. Uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, he just wins back the locker room last year when he takes him on that four-game winning streak. You know, they get rid of Foles. They give him the money. He he doesn't play great in 2019, but plays okay and plays it at like, the MV, like an MVP-type candidate mm -hmm. in the last four weeks to get him to the playoffs. And you think to yourself, okay, the team's finally his. And then they go and draft Hurts right. in the second round. I totally agree. I think that messed him up coming into this season. Yeah. Um, like, it happened with, uh, like... I was trying to look at prior benching instances just to see if this was like, you know, a motivational tactic. Mm -hmm. All the times it's happened before, they've either gotten pushed out or the, the closest example I saw was Matt Stafford. Yeah, Stafford his backup was, was Dan Orlovsky, who right. was a fifth round draft pick five years before that. It's really right. different when it's a rookie you just drafted and now it's like, okay, well, we're going to see if this draft pick works out. That That's a mm -hmm. lot less about, you know, this is about, you know, Wentz and getting his head back in it and more like right. we're going to try and take this offense in a different direction. Right. So if, if you're the New Orleans defense, you you kind of have to be licking your chops at, at this Eagles offense this week. And and one of the guys I specifically want to talk to talk about is a guy who's going to be having a bit of a homecoming. It's going to be unfortunate for Malcolm Jenkins that there won't be any fans in the stands because my guess is he'd get a real rousing welcome. Mm -hmm. um, and he had some interesting things to say this week about Howie Roseman and, and how how he left the team. How has Malcolm played? in the new Orleans defense this year. What, what is he, what has he brought to the defense? Uh, yeah. So I, he was one of those players that I was like really mad got away. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if you saw this, apparently Sean Payton DM him on Twitter and this is how this all started. Wow. Um, I, I think that he's, he's doing great now. The beginning of the season, it, it really wasn't meshing well, but our entire defense, you know, really wasn't doing that. I think like his best asset on our defense is his leadership ability and how mm -hmm. he's kind of like shaped our safety group because he replaced Von Bell who went off to the Bengals and he was really good, but he was younger. He got injured a lot. And there was really no like direction in that group of guys. Like, mm -hmm. you know, Demario Davis is in the uh, linebacker group. Janoris Jenkins and Marshawn Lattimore are pretty self-operating, but you know, Marcus Williams is the Minnesota miracle guy yeah. and CJ Gardner Johnson, you know, he's doing really well this year, but I, I think that he has kind of, you know, brought that whole group into an elevated light with mm -hmm. his leadership abilities and 
also has solved our tight end coverage problem. That was really a glaring issue at the beginning of the season. And I just, I think that our safety group has always been a liability and now it's more of an asset with Mm. him there. So, you know, I think a lot of that comes down to him. I I would credit the other two players, but I think that having his leadership back there has kind of, you know, made them figure it out. Right. And the the other, the the other matchup I wanted to talk about was the, uh, the, the Saints pass rush against the Eagles offensive line. You mentioned it a second ago, coming into last week, they had their 11th different offensive line combination in 12 weeks. It looks as though the same five players are going to play two weeks in a row which I'm excited about. Uh, how, what is this? How, but I mean, this is still a matchup that favors the New Orleans defensive line. My only question to you is how much? Uh, I mean, I, I like, you know, yeah. we didn't have Davenport last game and that didn't really, you know, that, that definitely downgraded our pass rush, but he's going to be back this game. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how, you know, David Onyemata, Trey Hendrickson, Cam Jordan, uh, you know, all of them, uh, Marcus yeah. Davenport, Shelvin Rakins. I just don't see how you can account for every single one of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people double cover, you know, Cam Jordan or something, but all five other guys are just as able to get back there. Yeah. I think that might have to do with the hurt start, but it also worries me for him because if your O-line ends up crumbling and they end up killing him, mm-hmm. then I just feel like that's more detrimental to like his progression in the long run. If that's sure. what you're trying to do. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I think that, they're going to really just have to uh, he's going to have to scramble a lot and get out of the pocket. Cause I, I, I don't, you know, yeah. think that I, even if it was, you know, you're starting O-line, it's still one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. So mm-hmm. it's just a very tall task. Yeah. For, for me, I, I would rather have Hertz in there than Carson Wentz. I think this is actually good for Wentz because there, I don't think there's any way he'd survive um, <laughs> the New Orleans pass rush, at least with Hertz. You said yeah. it. he can get out of the pocket. He can extend some plays, but the mm-hmm. thing with Hertz too, is he's a first read and run guy. You know, you take away the first yeah. read, he's probably going to tuck it and run. And so, uh, but like you said, the saints have had some issues with some running quarterbacks. It'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, flipping the the sides of the field here, I want to talk a little bit about your quarterback situation because obviously Drew Brees will not play on Sunday afternoon. Is this expected to be the last game that he will miss? Will he be back in there the week after next? When he went down, I said, if there's any chance he's back this season, it's going to be for the Chiefs game. He's mm-hmm. never played Patrick Mahomes in his career. And I think that's something that's like really important to him yeah. to have that moment. And I also, I'm a big Taysom Hill fan more than the average person. I, I accept his ball security, you know, issues, but I think that that's teachable. And I think that his last performance, especially on third down really like showed what he can bring to our team. And the fact Mm -hmm. that Drew really likes him so much, I just think Drew, if he likes him, he can't be that much of a schlup, but I think (laughs) that Drew, you know, that's Taysom is not going to be able to keep up with Patrick Mahomes. And I, I think that Drew he wants to come back for this game. No offense, but there's, you know, he doesn't need to. For sure. And no no nothing, offense taken. <laughs> and at that, yeah. And at that point, it's not even like a matchup is favorable with you guys with, right. with him either. Uh, but I think that he comes back for that game just to like have that on his notch on mm-hmm. his belt. Yeah. Well, then let's talk about Taysom. And uh, he's had a, from based on, you know, the little bits I've seen and looking at some of the numbers, it's been kind of a wild first three starts. He had a a 108.9 passer rating against Atlanta, uh, was 43.2 against Denver. And then last week against Atlanta, again, it was 107. So he's, um, at least according to the numbers and some of the highlights, it looks like he's been a little bit all over the place. But 
I, I've been also seeing New Orleans seems to really be happy with how he's played these last three weeks and maybe that he's cemented himself as the quarterback of the future after Breeze shuffles on. How has he looked to you over these first three weeks? Uh, yeah, so that Denver game, he Peyton put him in game manager mode. There was okay. no quarterback on the other side of the ball. And he said this in his press conference. He was like, Oh, that was that. That's right. Ways. I forgot that it was that. Yeah. Game. He was like, yeah. there's not many ways to lose that game. Turnovers yeah. are one of them. Mm-hmm. So that, that game, I just, you know, throw as a wash. Uh, right. I think that his best potential was this last game. And that's what I figured would happen. Give him, you know, some time to get his feet wet and then, you know, open him up against an opponent. He's already played as well. Mm-hmm. And the, um, uh, like I said, I think that, there's a lot of criticism that he can't get through his reads and he also has like a propensity to kind of tuck and run. But I Mm -hmm. think that he's gotten better at that. And he showed a lot of patience in the pocket against Atlanta. And that was really promising because everyone assumed that he would do kind of what you said Hertz would do, which is a first read isn't there. He's just going to tuck and run. And, you know, that's usually where mobile quarterbacks kind of go to die, but it was really his third down play. And it was like third and 17, third, you know, very like Mm -hmm. third and long plays And I just feel like that's one of those like intangibles that you can't teach in a quarterback to have that type of poise. I just, again, you know, we haven't seen that much from him, but Sean Payton, he, he's kind of a mad scientist. He likes to kind of, you know, do crazy things, but I have to just think again, you know, with Joe Lombardi, our quarterback coach talking a lot about him with Drew Brees thinking so highly of him and, you know, Sean Payton thinking so highly of him. uh, I, I do genuinely think there is, potential for him to get a shot at, you know, starting this team next year, especially on a really cheap contract where they could, you know, get him weapons that would kind of help him through the future. And then if it doesn't work out, then he's done with this contract. It wasn't that Mm -hmm. expensive and, and you move on, but I'm higher on the Taysom Hill train than most people. Uh, I just, after doing that whole research series, I was kind of trying to figure out, you know, who would replace Drew and just based on like all the trends, it really pointed towards Taysom. And then that was, you know, three weeks before this all happened. So, right. Right. And then, so, yeah, I mean, I, and, and Taysom Hill gives me a little bit of a, a bit of agita because the, the Eagles have had a lot of trouble with mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Daniel Jones has ripped them apart in both the, the matchups and Daniel Jones is he a mobile that mobile. Okay. No, he's, he can run fast when you get him open, but he's not a guy who's back there. Michael Vicking it all over right. the place, but the Eagles can, the Eagles really are susceptible to misdirection, uh, QB keepers, all that kind of stuff. And so if you've got a guy out there who can run, he can, I think he's going to, make things really difficult for the mm-hmm. Eagles defensive line because they're super aggressive. I mean, when Jim Schwartz is, is having these guys, they're, they're just, they're pounding in as fast as fast they can. And I can see Taysom Hill taking off right up the middle a number of times in this game on Sunday. Afternoon. Yeah. Like, uh, like through the interior kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's where and, he's really good at. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it terrifies me too, because the Eagles linebackers are probably the worst set of linebackers in the NFL. So yeah. we, we've been there. So <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you mentioned weapons, Alvin Kamara, obviously has been a huge weapon once again this year. I mean, all the contract stuff at the beginning of the season is just kind of washed away. He's averaging 4.7 yards a carry. He's got 670 rushing yards, nine touchdowns over 650 receiving yards, 70 catches out of the backfield. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a nightmare matchup again for an Eagles defense. And again, for a set of linebackers and safeties that really have trouble matching up against guys like this. If you had to, if you had to choose Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas, Who's the more important player on Sunday afternoon? Uh, so I'm going to answer this based on Taysom Hill. 
because there's been this whole like, oh my God, Taysom Hill can't be our quarterback because Alvin Kamara is more relevant in his offense. Mm-hmm. He's definitely has his production dipped. I, I think Alvin's also a little hurt. He's been limited okay. with a foot injury for like four weeks now. But what I was saying before about that like veteran receiver presence on the other end of the quarterback, mm-hmm. I think that just right now, Michael Thomas is more important for Taysom Hill's abilities because he he just hasn't really there, I think it'll it's you know it's not like he's gonna phase Alvin Kamara out of our offense I think that right. kind of needs to calm down with everyone mm-hmm. uh, but I think you know he just just like he was for Bridgewater he's kind of that security blanket that gives our quarterback confidence to then open up the offense to other people yeah uh, so you know just specifically there but I think long term I mean mm-hmm. there's no yeah. one like Kamara so Right. And, and I think one of the things that has been worrisome for Eagles fans these last couple of weeks is we went and traded for Darius Slay during the off season to shut mm-hmm. down guys, or at least to help make contain guys like Michael Thomas in the last two weeks, DK Metcalf and Devonte Adams have, has roasted Darius Slay. And, and some of it is Slay's played okay. And these guys are just really good and they win a lot of those 50, 50 matchups. Uh, but you know, Slay has also hobbled a little bit. He's been dealing with some injuries and he's going to play, but that also seems like a big matchup that Michael Thomas should be able to take advantage of on Sunday. Yeah. I, I mean, it's in the name. You can't guard Mike. And <laughs> That's right. I just, I, I think with all of the weapons that we have, you know, the only time that he really gets shut down is, you know, the years that the next receiver in line was Austin Carr and mm-hmm. Kirk, he, he, Kirk, I can't even say his name and it's not really that important, <laughs> no. but you know, now that's, you know, Emmanuel Sanders has been doing really well, Jared Cook, I'm if he on, but Taysom really likes our other tight end, Adam Trotman. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how you could put that many guys on Mike Thomas. And I think if he's just one-on-one with Darius Slay, it's going to not, not be good. Go well. yeah. yeah. Not be good. So last thing, is there a matchup in this game that you think could favor the Eagles? Cause as I look up and down, I don't see a whole lot there that, that favors the Eagles, but is, is there a spot on the field, a player matchup or a grouping matchup that you think, Hey, maybe, maybe this favors the Eagles this Sunday. So I was trying to think about it really like, and, and honestly, I, I it's not so much like a matchup, but the only thing you could kind of do, which is kind of try to get Taysom Hill to fumble the ball, honestly, try to yeah. just really, focus on the pass rush, take away, you know, it honestly take away Michael Thomas. But I, I think if you guys just keep the the pressure up, you know, uh, we, we've definitely had our overly blitzed Rob Ryan years of our defense, <laughs> but I just think like that that's been our biggest issue is that yeah. when Taysom fumbles the ball in very critical moments, it puts us in a really bad spot. Yeah. So I just think anything you guys could do to force that turnover from him, yeah. is probably your best bet yeah. or really good special teams plays. I, uh, Don't know. <laughs> I would love to say, well, Jalen hurts. I mean, Jalen Rager returns the punt for a touchdown last week. And that was the first bright spot on the special teams we've seen this year. I mean, listen, we're in a dark place here in Eagles. <laughs> in Eagles. So we're, I, I have, I'm able to see the negative of everything right now. So it's, it's really a, you know, and that's generally speaking the way we go anyway. So um, in seasons like this, it really manifests itself. So um, for Sunday afternoon, uh, I don't think anyone in the country is picking the Eagles to win this football game. My only fear is trap game. That's just my only like mm-hmm. thing. I, I think we've had those games already this season and, and gotten through them, but that would be my only pause is that yes, yeah. no one is picking the Eagles to win and it's with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And so I just hope that the Saints don't that doesn't matter to them and they just prepare as if it's not what's going on do you have a score prediction for sunday 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be uh, like 31-14 maybe. Mm-hmm. I think he'll, he'll get like a touchdown, maybe two, but, yeah. you know, not really past that. And yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of where we all are. I, I think that's I think that sounds about right. Well, listen, folks, keep your eye on the enemy by checking out Canal Street Chronicles. It's the SB Nation Saint site. Read all of Maddie's work over at Canal Street Chronicles. Fo- uh, follow her on Twitter at Maddie Hudak underscore ninety four. Maddie, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And, and I, you know, I hope Hertz has a good game just so you guys can kind of feel some joy in all of this. (laughs) We would appreciate that, yes. (laughs) Well, up next, my thoughts on what's next for Carson Wentz, because after all, isn't that the big question? We'll do that coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, as we start our conversation about Carson Wentz, one thing to remember. back in It was this week, back in 2017, when Carson Wentz was lost for the season in that Rams game. Um... Can you believe how we felt that day, this time, three years ago, to how we feel right now and where we are in the Carson Wentz story? It, it really is. It's remarkable, this man's, this man's career and how it, has, how it started in 2016 to where we were this time three years ago when Wentz tore his ACL and the despair and disappointment and sadness we felt that the football gods were arrayed against us. To where we are now with Carson Wentz, with most of the fan base wanting to get rid of him. A few different things about this. First of all, let's talk about Jalen Hurts. The chances he has at being really successful are completely up in the air. Because I can see a couple of different things happening. One of the things I think has been going on with Carson Wentz is that he still had way too much control at the line of scrimmage. I think we've heard Brandon Lee Gowton talk about this in different podcasts, and I know that he talked about it on the Emergency Podcast, and that Carson Wentz has an inordinate amount of power in that organization, in that quarterback room, in that offensive uh, game-planning room. He is directing traffic when he's at the line of scrimmage. He's really the one calling the plays. Doug Peterson is calling plays, but he's giving Carson Wentz basically a choice to call a run or a pass, and and Carson, by all accounts, is an alpha about this sort of thing and does not simply just call the offense that Doug wants him to do. Carson has a big hand in what it is they're trying to do out there. With a guy like Jalen Hurts, and we saw this with Nick Foles when Foles was here, Foles just ran the offense. He ran the plays uh, that Doug Peterson called. And again, I think Nick Foles was fantastic here. Going with Carson Wentz was the right decision, as we have seen with Nick Foles in his, in, his two, in his two landing spots in Jacksonville and in Chicago over these last couple of years. The Eagles made the right choice sticking with Carson Wentz. But I think at certain times this year, they would have been better off, Carson would have been better off simplifying things and just going with whatever Doug Peterson called. And we saw this week, and I've seen on Twitter a couple different people remarking, why didn't they do this sooner? Doug Peterson said that they want to simplify the offense and make things easier for Hertz, who's going to be making his first NFL start. People reacting, why didn't they do that with Carson? I think they tried to, guys. 
Carson Wentz is an alpha. He wants to, He's a fifth-year quarterback, and he wanted to run that offense like a fifth-year quarterback would, and frankly, a fifth-year quarterback should, which means having a lot of say in the plays that are called, call, changing the plays at the line of scrimmage from what Doug Peterson calls, and with disastrous consequences most of the time, because I agree with Maddie. I think Carson Wentz certainly has some has some mechanical issues that need to be worked out, but uh, I think Dan Orlovsky showed it beautifully in a couple of tweets. He's so jittery in the pocket because he has he has no confidence in anything that's going on around him. Even when he's got a clean pocket, he's jumping around and dancing around back there, throwing the ball with his both feet in the air because he's he's afraid he's going to get walloped any second. He doesn't have enough trust in his offensive linemen and he doesn't have trust in his receivers. When Jalen Hurts plays on Sunday afternoon, He's going to run the plays that Doug Peterson calls. Maybe there will be an audible or two here and there. But that's one of the reasons why you make this move is to see, okay, is this the quarterback? Is it the play calling? Is it some combination of both? I think if this offense runs more smoothly, I think you can point to Carson Wentz as being one of the main problems for this, not only because of the way Carson Wentz is playing physically, but mentally the way he's calling plays at the line of scrimmage. And, and maybe Doug does know what he's doing, and Carson hasn't, letting, hasn't been letting Doug be Doug. And I say all this as a huge Carson Wentz supporter, because we all want to know, what should the Eagles do with Carson Wentz here? And I think the answer is that it is almost entirely dependent on how these next four weeks go with Jalen Hurts. Now, I'll tell you flat out, I like Hurts. He seems like a nice kid. I'd love to have him on this team as the backup for the next few years, seeing as how they've already used a second-round pick for him. It would be great if maybe he can establish some trade value here over these last four games, and if you can move him for another second-round pick or something like that, I would do it. But if you're the Eagles in that situation, if Hertz has come in and played really well, why would you then trade him in order to give the job back to somebody who struggled as mightily as Carson Wentz did this year? That wouldn't make any logical sense. So if so, there's a bunch of different scenarios here. Let's say that Jalen Hurts plays really well. Well, then he probably goes into next, and I mentioned this with Maddie a few minutes ago, they probably go into the next offseason, and at least on the surface, it's a quarterback competition. Or, or Carson Wentz is looking to restructure his contract. If the Eagles have essentially made it clear to Carson that Jalen Hurts has passed you on the depth chart, we want to move you where you can start someplace else, but we can't do it. With the contract the way it is, it's too much dead cap money. It's it's going to hurt us too much to do that. My guess is Carson Wentz would probably restructure the contract to make it easier to trade him if it means he's going to start someplace else. You heard Carson say it in his news conference after the game on Sunday. He sees no benefit by him sitting down. The rest of us do. I think it does him a world of good to sit and watch and maybe stew a little bit. But I also think that Carson Wentz is a guy who should be a starting quarterback in this league. He's a good quarterback. Everything we've seen up until this year, his first four years, even in his rookie year when he had to, when he had his struggles, there was so much promise there that it. I mean, he's certain he's a. You can tell he's a good quarterback. It, it was. I mean, he's, he may never be 2017 Carson Wentz again, and that's fine. He could be 2019 Carson Wentz. That's a good starting quarterback in this league. You can win with Carson Wentz playing that type of quarterback. 
especially over the last four weeks of last season. And I, I, we, we've talked about Carson Wentz being kind of an all-or-nothing guy. He's like a big league slugger. He'll go through these insane hot streaks, and he'll go through cold streaks. We didn't expect him to hit rock bottom like this this year. But it poses a problem because the Eagles have committed themselves financially to Carson Wentz in such a way that they really can't trade him with the contract looking the way it is right now if they're going to move on from him. If Jalen Hurts plays so well over these last four weeks that he essentially becomes the starter, the de facto starter next year, or at least it looks like the Eagles will lean in that direction, they're going to need Carson Wentz to restructure his contract in order to move him to someplace like Indianapolis if Frank Reich even wants him. I mean, there's no guarantee Frank Reich wants Carson Wentz. You would think that he he would have some interest there. But what are you getting for Carson Wentz at that point? Are you getting a second-round pick as long as the, the, the contract is restructured? Okay, maybe. Maybe you have a conversation about that. But I must say, Jalen Hurts has to look really good these last four weeks. He has to look really good over the last four weeks of the season in order to make trading Carson Wentz something that I would put on the table. I am nowhere near ready to give up on Carson Wentz, guys. And the Eagles, I think, are nowhere near ready to give up on Carson Wentz. And so what happens if Jalen Hurts plays okay? What if he has two pretty good games, two pretty bad games? Which I think is probably the most likely scenario. It's possible he stinks for all four games, in which case you go into next season with Hurts as your backup. You probably go in with Carson Wentz as the the leader in the clubhouse to be the starter. And then the team has to make the decision based on wherever it is that they're drafting. Do they take a quarterback? that early in the draft because you don't ordinarily get to pick at number five, number four, number six, number three. You normally don't get to pick around there and get yourself a top quarterback. But you've already committed so many resources to the two quarterbacks you have, I would not be in favor of that. I would not be in favor of going and picking a quarterback with the number three, four, five, or six pick. Even if Jalen Hurts looks like looks terrible this year. I, I'm, I'm not going there. I'm sticking with Wentz. And I'm, I'm giving Wentz another chance after an offseason to work on mechanics, to get his head right. You know, maybe there is something to the fact that the offseason was weird with COVID. Maybe there's something to the fact that he ended last season on a concussion and maybe never got all the way back from it. Maybe there's something to the fact that he looked a lot bigger this offseason after this offseason and came into camp much more, much bulkier. Maybe that had something to do with taking away some of his mobility. Maybe this team does go out and they sign a new head coach. Maybe Doug Peterson does leave and you bring in the Bills offensive coordinator to be the new to be the new head coach. Somebody who says, I can I can save Carson Wentz. I can fix Carson Wentz. And that and a lot of that's going to. And so the future of Carson Wentz, what they do with Carson Wentz is in a lot of ways dependent on what they do with the general manager. What do they do with Howie Roseman? What do they do with Doug Peterson? Those things are all up in the air. I would keep Doug Peterson. I would keep Carson Wentz. I would get rid of Howie Roseman. And I would make it Doug Peterson's job to save Carson Wentz. Because I think both these guys are still talented. I think Carson Wentz needs to find some humility here. I think he needs to understand the level at which he's playing. I think he needs to learn some things, change some things about himself. If he does have a lot of power to recognize, I might need to give some of this up and just do what the coach wants me to do until I get my head back on straight. But it's hard as a professional athlete to do that. And I do think this this has created an interesting situation in the locker room. Maybe there are divisions. Maybe there aren't divisions. But it was interesting to see Jason Kelsey come out 
and lament the fact that it really is Carson Wentz who is taking all of the blame for everything that's happened with the Eagles offense this year. Because when you look at this offense, it really is everything. It's everything. It's Brandon Brooks getting hurt before the season started, throwing the offensive line into turmoil. It's, it's, Lane, it's, it's, uh, it's Lane Johnson not being able to stay healthy and stay on the field and give Carson a dependable right side of that offensive line. It's Jason Kelsey's uneven play this year, especially when it comes to, to snapping the football. Jordan Mailata has been pretty good this year, but he's not an anchor over there. He's not somebody that Carson Wentz can just, you know, turn his back and, and, and forget about what's going on over there. The offensive line has rattled Carson's pocket presence, which wasn't always great, but certainly better than it has been this year. And so you've you've seen Carson Wentz lose faith in his offensive line. You've seen this team give him nothing at the wide receiver position. I, I, you know, I never bought it this offseason when everybody said, oh, Howie Roseman addressed the offensive line position. I mean, addressed the wide receiver position. They didn't address the wide receiver position. They expected Deshaun Jackson to come back and be healthier, which was foolish. They expected, they spent a first round pick on Jalen Rager who was certainly more of an uncertainty than Justin Jefferson was. And we all said it in real time. And we played the clip last week of the Vikings laughing their rear ends off in real time when the, when the Eagles took Rager over Justin Jefferson. And we've seen Rager making all kinds of mental and physical mistakes out on the field. The punt return for a touchdown was great last week, and he did have a nice long reception from Jalen Hurts last week. That was great. That's the first time we've seen that from him since week one. Where has Jalen Rager been? So yes, you did spend a first round pick on Jalen Rager, but you turned down possible trades for some of the big wide receivers that are having some of the biggest, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. You've turned, you turned down some, the opportunity to make trades for real, surefire, impact wide receivers that could have helped Carson Wentz immediately, and you would have known that it was going to help them immediately. You could have gone out and signed Robbie Anderson to a free agent deal to help him immediately. He would have been immediate help. He would have given Carson Wentz immediate confidence. Addressing the wide receiver position is not drafting Jalen Rager and then spending a fifth-round pick on a receiver and a sixth-round pick on a receiver and trading for Marquise Goodwin. That's not investing in the wide receiver position. Fifth and sixth round picks, you're happy if those guys turn into four, number four wide receivers. They're not impact players. That's not addressing the position. Clearly, the Eagles have completely given up on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as a second round pick two years ago. And for whatever it's worth, Zach Ertz, his performance just fell off a cliff. That, I don't think we talk about that enough as being one of the big reasons Carson Wentz has lost confidence out there. Zach Ertz was Carson Wentz's best friend on the field, his most dependable teammate, the guy that he always looked to when he was in trouble. And early in the season, Zach Ertz just couldn't get open. He was getting pushed around the football field. Maybe it was because he was hurt. Maybe it was because of other things. Maybe he was distracted by his contract situation. I don't know. But Zach Ertz being invisible on the field early in the season and then just being hurt and not on the field at all through the middle part of the season, I think that is a bigger deal than anyone has made. I think that is a bigger deal than, than we've been giving it credit for. Because Dallas Goddard is a really good tight end, but he's still, make, he's still making mistakes out there. Zach Ertz, for whatever you want to say about Ertz, has been Carson's most, de- and maybe the offense's most dependable player. 
And and I don't know what's happened with Miles Sanders in the receiving game. I know why the team isn't running with him all that much because they're they're getting behind so quickly in so many of these games that they have to pass the ball and teams are loading up to stop the run because they're not afraid of the Eagles wide receivers. We talked about that before. And and the and the coaching staff is making real-time decisions here which make absolutely no sense. The Alshon Jeffrey Travis Fulgham thing, it's almost like sabotage. They're sabotaging themselves with some of these decisions. They're perplexing to the point where you just you want to clean house because you can't understand how and here's the biggest frustration about all this. You we can't understand how seemingly smart people like Doug Peterson and at one time Howie Roseman are making so many stupid decisions that you and I can see a mile away. It's it makes no sense. When you see people who have done things the right way for so many years suddenly forget how to do things, it's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. And that is what has made this season so unbelievably frustrating in Philadelphia is we thought we knew what we had in some of these people in, in Howie Roseman and, and, and Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. And, and to see what it's, what it's come to and where this team is now and the divisions in the locker room with Jason Kelsey lamenting the fact that, that Carson is the, is the one guy to basically have all the accountability lumped on, on his head. It really has been the whole offense. Receivers not getting open, blowing assignments, the running back failing to be able to do anything, inexplicably playing Boston Scott over Miles Sanders and and Jordan Howard over Miles. Miles Sanders should be in the game every snap. He should be getting 90% of the snaps right now. Whenever there's a running back on the field, it should be Miles Sanders if you want this offense to forget the rotation. Get Miles Sanders on the field. Even if he's just a distraction, he causes a distraction, right? So obviously, Doug Peterson may at the end of the, may at the end of the day he might be the one whose head is chopped off. That could be what happens. It's hope. Hopefully, Howie Roseman is called to account for the 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 dozens of decisions that were wrong in real time, not in hindsight, in real time that he's made. Right. But Carson, you know, Jason Kelsey said it right. Carson right now is the only one who is who's taking the ring of responsibility. And that's what happens when you're the quarterback. You get the big money and you also get the responsibility and you get the blame when things aren't going well either. But it has been the whole offense. Everyone on the field and everyone in the coaching staff has been has been part of the problem. I thought Fletcher Cox's comments also supporting saying basically Carson Wentz should still be the starter. There there are divisions in the locker room between the younger players on defense who, who, who support Jalen Hurts and have seen Carson Wentz play awful football. And again, I am the biggest Carson Wentz supporter in the world. And even I know that he had to sit. They couldn't keep playing him this year. But it does create all kinds of questions. And these questions would have been there if Carson had played these last four games. What do you do going into next year? At least now you get a little bit of tape. You get a little bit of a sense of what Jalen Hurts can do, even though I don't think we're going to see four games is not a very big sample size. Four and a half games is not a very big sample size, but you'll get at least a taste of maybe what Jalen Hurts can do. If he looks absolutely lost out there, Carson Wentz is your starting quarterback next year. You're not, there is no way the Eagles should draft a quarterback at three, four, five, or six. You've committed way too much unless unless you've decided as an organization, you bring in a new general manager and that general manager has decided we can't win with Carson Wentz. We need to restructure his contract and trade him, which is, again, no easy feat. I think the Eagles 
have married themselves to Carson Wentz, both in terms of draft capital and in terms of dollars and in terms of years spent trying to groom this guy as part of their QB factory, that he has to be a part of their plans in 2021. So if, if Jalen Hurts lights the world on fire in these last four weeks, I think you have a quarterback competition going into next season. And maybe you're able to find a team that wants to take on Carson Wentz with a restructured contract if that's, if that's the case. If you find a team willing to give you a second-round pick for Carson Wentz and you can restructure the deal and get yourself out from that contract, and I'm saying this only if Jalen Hurts lights the world on fire in these last four weeks, you probably pull the trigger. Otherwise, you stick with Carson Wentz. Because I still believe there's a good quarterback in there. And it's not just Carson Wentz that's the problem with this offense. But he is a big problem. And he needs to sit. I think this will be better for him in the long run to sit and think about what's been going on these last four weeks. To not have to try and put all of the weight on his shoulders to fix what's wrong. Because it's more than just Carson Wentz. But it's clear he's broken. And that this offseason, what should the Eagles do with Carson Wentz? Fix him. Spend whatever you need to, do whatever you need to, hire whoever you need to, to fix Carson Wentz. If you don't believe it's Doug Peterson, you got to bring in a new coach. If you don't believe it's Howie Roseman, you got to bring in a new general manager. Whatever the case, this team's number one priority this offseason is to fix Carson Wentz. All right, time for my Eagles Saints prediction here on Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to, you know, no big, no, no reason to really build this up. The, the Saints should win this thing pretty easy. Jalen Hurts, I think, will struggle against the number two DVOA defense in all of football, the New Orleans Saints. Malcolm Jenkins coming back to town. I hope he absolutely lays the woodshed on this team. They should have never let him go. Uh, he's, he's, again, you wonder how, how this team would be doing if Malcolm Jenkins was in, was in the locker room. Certainly the defense would probably be playing just a little bit better. Um, but uh, the Malcolm Jenkins and the Saints coming to Philadelphia. Taysom Hill starting for the Saints. I think Taysom will have success running the ball against the Eagles. I think the Eagles linebackers are going to get exposed here. I don't think the Saints are going to score quite as much as Maddie said just a few minutes ago. I think the Eagles will keep them in the 20s. But I do see something similar to what she was talking about. I see it Saints 27, Eagles 14. And I see the Eagles, really, I can't see them. Well, maybe they win one of these last four games, but um, it's not looking good here for the Philly. Three, two, one. But on Sunday, I fully expect the Saints to pull away and win this thing pretty easily, much like the Packers did last week in Lambeau Field. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to Matty Hudak once again for coming on the podcast. And please make sure you go to bleedinggreennation.com every single day for the latest Eagles news. This is a lost season, but... There's still a lot to read about, a lot to look at, a lot to watch for. So make sure you're checking out everything we're doing at BleedingGreenNation.com. You're checking out all the podcasts. Rate, subscribe, and review Bleeding Green Nation on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Spotify. Tell a friend about the podcasts. Let them know we're here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N-E